Hi, Hi friends. friends. I'm Loza. I'm Isaias, and this is Light in Love with Loseas, the podcast. We're a married couple living in Los Angeles, walking by faith and doing so transparently. Our hope is that this podcast leaves you feeling inspired as we navigate matters of light, love, work, and life. Thanks for tuning in. Not good? No, no lipstick. Okay. Hoody Welcome to episode 15, season two, Light and Love. What's going on, baby? I was literally anticipating because I just assumed that that was a song. I was like, yep, yet you know, again, it, another it, it song. Actually, I don't know. You know what? It actually is the start of an outcast th- song, I think, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I was like, let me not be too predictable today. I know people are expecting <laughs> something. You know what I my, my philosophy is? When people expect left, I give them right. Keep them guessing. And tonight, Los is expecting right, so I'm going to give her left. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> What's up, girl? How are you? I'm good, Isaiah. How's it going? Um, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling, um, yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. We had a good week this last week. We did. Um, what was your highlight? Um... I think in my mind, be honest. Fall has happened. The weather has not been reflecting it. Um, I promised myself that I wanted to be a mom that was like present and passionate and purposeful with everything I did, just because all things that you are. Yeah, oh, thanks, babe. Um, yeah, growing up, I had a great childhood, but you know, obviously, my parents were like students and things like that, and so you know, attention was kind of split with the family. We had siblings kind of present for us, but I've always wanted to be that that parent that's mm-hmm. like very intentional with like each season changing and like kids experiencing different things. So I've been very in- intentional about creating a bucket list. I'll have to share about it, but um, Sayla and I ended up creating a bunch of things to do for fall. And then this past week we made a hot apple cider in 95 degree weather. <laughs> We painted pumpkins. Very we decorated for I, I gotta, fall. I gotta give you credit. You've been, uh, you've been, been really, you've been really killing that. Thanks. Sayla actually woke up this morning and she pointed out the jar that you guys made with mm-hmm. all the like cut out activities and like it's like a jar where you pull out an activity mm-hmm. out of it and they're all season appropriate. So I was like, yeah, we're gonna pick another, we're gonna pick another one out of the jar. Yay, yeah, yeah. So, so she's, she's super excited, excited about, about it. it. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, that's it. what I'm doing. I'm yeah, pretty excited for fall. I wish the weather would change. I'm clearly wearing a sweater. This is your favorite like, season. So here we are. Where we made it. Does it have anything to do with the fact that it's your birthday month? Maybe. Shout out hey. October babies. Yeah, we're the best. Yeah. Not biased, but yeah, we're pretty great. Um Lose yeah. is turning um thirty four. Twenty four. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Um, A fresh, young, vibrant 34. I was going to say 30 something, but I escaped my memory. 24. I am at the ripe age of 34 when the intersections of God's faithfulness, Uh, I done lived some life, uh, but I still got a lot of vitality. uh, And I'm right at the cusp of seeing all that God's about to do. So, yes. Yeah, I'm excited for this birthday. Talk to him. I love it. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing well, baby. Um, I'm doing well. I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm looking good. Um, I got my haircut after you shamed me last week. Um, Shout out to Binu. Shout out to Binu. Um, Yeah, doing well. Doing well. Good. Well, yeah, we're back for another episode. Here we are again. Here we are. 
Um, so yeah, we're halfway through the season, guys. I hope you guys have been enjoying it so far. Um, episode five of season two, which is episode fifteen. Halfway through the season. Yeah, how does that how feel? How have you guys? How have you guys been? Like, what's what's been the vibe? I mean, like, I know, I feel like even amongst ourselves, there is kind of a difference in between season one and season two. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think that is? What does it feel like for you? I feel like we're kind of settling in to the podcast. I mm-hmm. feel like we're finding a rhythm. I know one noticeable difference is, I know we kind of, I think we touched on this at the very beginning of the season. We kind of came in with a plan at first and then we quickly changed from uh, kind of following a script for what we were going to talk about. Uh, we had like a 10 episode plan already, but then we kind of pivoted to like, we us being choosing to be prayerful about okay well maybe you know we're gonna look to have god guide or instruct what each episode topic is going to be on the daily so even today we didn't really know exactly what we were going to talk about we were Uh, prayerful about it the week leading up to it yeah considering different things but we weren't like we weren't defined or set on it we're always kind of open to just kind of going where we believe that god will lead us and i think that's been a noticeable change and i feel like I've, I think we've both walked away from each episode feeling like, okay, well, this is a little uncomfortable in the, to the extent that, you know, it's, it's not like a pre-programmed thing that we can mm-hmm. neatly manicure and like control mm-hmm. kind of leaving it in God's hands in that way. So. Yeah. And when you do that, it's kind of cool. I think we talked about it the first season, right? It's like, you're doing it in faith. You're what I believe creating in faith conversations that are revolve around topics that may or may not be discussed commonly in yeah. society, bringing the lens of faith and transparency to it. And then what you come to find is at the end of it, wow, like God really had something to say. Not only was it challenging to us, yeah. but hopefully it's challenging, inspiring and encouraging through us to you guys. And I feel like this season already feels like one notch beneath the surface. Yeah, And I feel like there's something that is being changed and moved in all of us to like be transformed into you know, the person that God's called us to be in. So season one was fun. It was great. Yes. This season is feeling off, awfully depthy to yeah. me. Yeah, and yeah. so, yeah. A little more vulnerable. Um, and you know what? To that extent, some of you have reached out to us on Facebook uh, and in some of the reviews. Instagram. And we want to encourage you guys to continue doing that. Please uh, just connect with us and let us know mm-hmm. how you're feeling uh, and the stuff that you want to hear us talk about. So. Yeah, and how these episodes are like meeting you. If yes. there's like anything you guys want us to specifically pray for for you guys yes. or yeah, continue to discuss. But we need more reviews, so keep Speaking them coming. Speaking of reviews, um, who yeah. we got today? There's one from an 80s baby TG that says, don't miss out. This is the most amazing podcast because this couple is definitely goals. Very kind. I'm very happy and thankful that this podcast exists and it's something I look forward to. Please keep bringing the heat with the amazing topics. Mm. Looking forward to hear more about marriage and parenting. Ooh, well, <laughs> looks like you're Funny in you luck. Asked. Yeah. Looks like you're in luck. Um so, okay, so this last week, uh, we had an in- a series of interesting conversations that came up with our daughter, Sayla. She's three years old. Mm-hmm. Um, Sayla goes to this amazing Montessori school. Um, it's not faith-based, um, but some great teachers there, some great kids there, and we love everything about it. Um, but like, I think one of the interesting things about 
being a parent to a young child is just like the recap at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, we, you know, most times we ask, say like, well, how was your day? And, you know, you kind of get like, the, it was good. good. And, you know, kind of <laughs> stopping there. And then like part of our job as parents is to like act as detectives and kind of piece together little pieces from here and there and kind of mm-hmm. like get a better sense of like what she's actually experiencing over the course of the day. Mm-hmm. And this last week, it was really interesting because uh, somehow, I don't even remember how it came up, but then like kind of in passing, she's like, we, I heard her use a word I had never heard her use before because we certainly weren't using it around the house. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about witches. Yikes. I said witches. <laughs> well, happy Halloween, I guess, is uh, the only thing you could say to that. Cause I Negative, guess, <laughs> no happy Halloween. <laughs> well, not happy Halloween, but like, I guess, you know, in context of the fact that it's October and it is the Halloween season, uh, you have to think, even though we're not really talking about Halloween at home at all, that's like something that, that's come up. So um, that was interesting because, you know, Funnily enough, this is a conversation we had been anticipating was going to come up, but we thought it was going to happen on our own terms. And um, yeah, like in a year or two, well, conversation about Halloween, which maybe was like aware of what was going more, more on. Aware, but clearly, you know, they're very aware um, because in addition to talking about uh, bringing up witches. Uh, she the, mentioned haunted house. She, she mentioned the word haunted ghost. house. I'm she like, mentioned ghosts. Who I gotta talk to? I'm like, oh my I'm not prepared goodness. To this child is have three years old. Conversation about spiritual warfare with my three year So, um, so yeah, these are all things that came up, and uh, you know, I think it's it, it it created an opportunity for us to kind of reflect on what are the things that we actually you know, want to better instill in our kids Mm -hmm. and what are the things that we value. And I think in thinking about that, it made us kind of take a step back and pull away from what the initial instinct, because I was looking at you when she first said that and I saw Loza pause in her steps and she was like, I heard her, I I just saw the wheels turning on Loza's eyes and she was about to like make it a thing. And then I think we both made eye contact and be like, all right, let's just not we overreact. Witches. <laughs> no, we were more. We, no, we we ultimately became more curious about it. I was like, oh, exactly. what, what is what is that? Say, like, tell me Never more about that, that word. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, I think her response was like, oh, it's like it's like someone who um is on a broom who's on, rides a broom. And I was like, okay, oh, so what does that mean? Um, and but anyways, uh, through that we had to like revisit, you know, <coughs> what me, our approach for talking about things just at large that either we introduce directly or don't interact introduce directly like in this case Mm -hmm. and i think what we kind of revisited was that as opposed to trying to come up with a laundry list of things that we have to kind of cite and say Mm -hmm. these are the things that we don't agree with we don't believe in or don't align with our values instead we came to the understanding amongst ourselves that we would like to focus our attention more on uh, clarifying the things that we stand for and also kind of more important that equipping them to learn how to think for themselves. Yeah, I think that's an important thing. So, you know, we thought about it and you're like, let's definitely share on parenting because, (coughs) excuse me, there's a tickle in my throat. But like the number one thing that not just number one, but like one of the biggest things you're right, we want to like share with our kids is the ability to critically think. Yeah, I think, you know, I was not raised in a necessarily religious household. So like growing up, 
things weren't necessarily shoved down my throat on a religious sense, but, you know, I was also raised as a foreigner, you know, and sometimes it's like, oh, we don't do this because I said so, you know, and so without the explanation, it just kind of did it out of fear for the adults or for like the parental figure. And over time, obviously, my parents kind of loosened up, they, you know, um, what do you mean by loosened up? Loosened up in that they were a little more less strict and they were more able to explain to me more the reason behind their decisions. <laughs> Excuse me, guys. That's the worst. Nobody ever talks about what do you do when you cough on a podcast? Just keep it pushing. I don't know. They saw me sniffling all last episode. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You guys are saying clearly this is a real deal. Sneezing, coughing. Ah. Um, but I was going to say, so yeah, they listened up a little bit more in that they were able to explain to us the reasoning behind what they, um, what they wanted to, you know, have us focus on. And I think as we got, my siblings and I, as we got older, you know, that allowed it to be a scaffolding for the way that we led ourselves in college and how we like navigated the world. But initially when we were younger, it was just because I said so. So as we, you know, traditionally that model makes me terrified because when you don't explain to a child or teach the child to critically think you are doing the majority of like you're chewing the food for them they're not able to digest process and internalize okay how do i sift what is necessary for me how do i sift through what's not necessary for me and how do i navigate this world accordingly because as far as they're concerned they're still left on this earth and you know, it's how do we navigate it as believers? How do we navigate it through faith? So you're saying you're saying there's something to be said about mm. not um, just leading children in a way where we say, don't do this, don't do that, don't um, think this, don't think that. Mm-hmm. It's more about kind of helping them understand something holistically and then figuring out like what about that thing is inherently good inherently bad or maybe n- neither mm-hmm. is that what you're saying yeah yeah because not everything is just like you said it's not always just good it's not always just bad for example and i'll give you the context maybe this applies for those like later in life like not all rated r movies are just bad you know right they're rated r movies that may be rated that way because of language but the message may be inherently good right so if you just shun that and say okay no rated r movies no whatever hmm you limit a child's ability to say, okay, well, how do I learn to take things as they are without the presence of my parents, discern what is good and valuable to me and what I can use and what is not necessary and move forward. You know, how can I grow from that? How can I learn from that? And it's veering away from behavior um, adjustments to teaching of your course, kids to be curious. Of course, curious. of course, everything is age appropriate. And like mm-hmm. the way you kind of deal with that <coughs> will kind of evolve as the kids grow older and older. But yeah. I think why I feel passionate about this is that there's only so much we can control. Yeah. There's only so many variables that we can account for. And the reality is, you know, while we'll continue to try to cultivate an environment in our home where we want to let both of our children know that they can always come to us with everything, mm-hmm. I think the reality is most of the time they're going to spend is going to be outside of the house. And Correct, yeah. there's no way that we can account for every single detail of the things that they're going to encounter. And this was just one example of that. So the most one of the most powerful things we can do for them is to help them understand why we believe in what we believe mm-hmm. and what what we believe what we believe and mm-hmm. why we believe mm-hmm. that um 
And also just to, th- to think about everything through that same kind of lens. Mm-hmm. Not only are we telling you this because you have to, but this is why. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important thing that we've both tried to focus on. It's like, I think, and I catch myself all the time. It's sometimes, you know, when uh, Taylor is so curious and I think that's, that's, I'm really grateful for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes my response to her does not honor the curiosity, mm. you know, because like she, something as simple as, say like, go wash your hands and she'll be like, but why dad? And I'm like, because I told you to wash your hands. Mm-hmm. But is the natural instinct when you kind of mm-hmm. get tired about like having to over explain something that you would think is so simple. Mm-hmm. But I think there is something to cherish in over explaining everything because in doing so, we're actually giving her the scaffolding for understanding how to process and to think through things. Mm-hmm. And I think though, even something as simple as that has implications in the way kids go on to think through things that they experience in every capacity, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And I think the same thing applies with our faith. Yeah, and I think it's interesting as you're like using faith to be the infrastructure, right? It's also important not to use faith as something that you're like shoving down your kid's throat because it makes it something that they don't want to use as a benchmarker or as a standard for them later as they get older. What do you you mean by that? So like if you grew up in a very religious household and your parents just made you do it because Jesus is watching, God is watching, don't do this, don't do that. And then you're kind of like explaining, oh, we don't do this because God is watching me. I have to be scared about these things. No, all of a sudden God is a cosmic, cosmic police and yeah. as you get older and you kind of move kids that like walk away from the faith or adults that walk away from the faith because it's so rigid, right? then no longer have a standard from which to measure what is right, what is wrong. Then you're dealing with, well, morality and immorality. And then just things get a little bit more challenging for yeah. people to navigate what's right and wrong. And people just end up getting lost. So right. even the idea of using the standard in a way where you're presenting the faith and letting the child choose, that's what does that favorite can you, can you, approach can you like explain like an example of what that looks like yeah i mean the first example i have is most importantly the, a biblical example and then even for my and then i can share more so for myself but like the reason i i think that that's the correct approach is even if you look in the story of how like david is talking to his son solomon i think somewhere in chronicles he tells him you know to honor the god of his fathers and he's talking about himself so it's not even that the fact that he identifies it as his own God, he's not saying, you know, you need to serve this God, you need to do this. Like he's saying, this is the God that I'm serving. And through the life that David led, Solomon learned. And later what we'll find is Solomon later identified the Lord, my God, and he mm-hmm. labeled him as his mm-hmm. own God as mm-hmm. well. So it wasn't that David forced that on Solomon. Solomon mm-hmm. came to discover the Lord for himself. That's and that's the only thing we can do as parents is like, yes, I, it really is discipleship at the end of the day. It's like you're discipling this kid, but not saying this is the only way walk in it. It's to say, this is who we believe in. This is the way that Jesus lived his life. This is what we value about this this man named Jesus. He was kind, he was considerate, he sacrificed, he was generous. And all of these things are things that we choose to model. But more than what we say to Selah, it's what we're modeling in actual physical actions as well as the unspoken actions of our life. I think that's interesting too, because it also puts the onus back on us Mm -hmm. um, because you know, we talk th- th- that that common saying about how, you know, parents can say so much, but it's not just about what they say, it's about what they do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing that I've found to be so interesting as we are, you know, trying to hold ourselves accountable as parents is how 
our children are absorbing everything on a molecular level, it feels like. Totally. And it, and it comes across even to how, like, the way Sela moves her hands. You know, like, like <laughs> she's literally subconsciously mimicking yeah. you in ways that you might not even be aware of. Mm-hmm. And I bring that up to say, even though, you know, our, I think our primary responsibility is to, like, be clear about how we want to teach them to think and to um, be clear about the things that we stand for. I think it's also puts the responsibility on us to deal with the generational curses, the trauma, (laughs) the things that we haven't fully resolved because more than what we can say, it's the things that we're doing and demonstrating that are actually going to make probably an even bigger impact on what our children are doing. Totally. Right. So, um, it's all the more reason to actually, I was just having this conversation with one of our friends today mm-hmm. about how um, it's that verse in James, James, I think one twenty. let me actually look it up 23 or 24. And it talks about how um, here, let me find it. Uh, it says um, for anyone who hears the word, but does not carry it out is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after observing himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. I think it's all the more reason to be self-aware about our shortcomings, about who we are, but not just generating that self-awareness out of thin air. Cause how are you supposed to force yourself to be self-aware? It's, it's by spending time in God's presence and using the word as a scaffolding for your life where you can really even know what standards you're living up to. Mm-hmm. And by doing so, it says, you know, you can not, you could just be a hearer, but the one that's a doer is the one who uh, does not just carry out by looking in the mirror, but he observes himself and he he does what he's supposed to do without walking away with it, without mm-hmm. being impacted, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think it's just that much more important for us to uh, be self-aware enough to hold ourselves to a standard so that our kids can you know, have the right model to follow after that, yeah, right? Yeah, which you, I, I think the example that I saw of that is a lot of parents will say, do as I say and not as I do. That's exactly what I was trying to say earlier. <laughs> I couldn't figure out the right frame, the phrasing. Yeah, part. yeah, do as I say and not as I do. And I think that- but That's so short-sighted. It's terrible, like that's terrible. One, one, because you're saying, you know, I'm not modeling it for you, but, you know, just do it because I, I said so. How convincing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But even in modeling, I think it, it goes a little deeper because it's not just what you want to physically like model. Kids also pick up on, and as you said, the molecular level, like nuances that you don't even realize yeah. you're exuding. And when you see it um, portrayed through your kids, it makes you have mm. to face and address yourself. Mm. So one example I can give is like <clears throat> something as like, I naturally am learning more and more how much of an anxious person I am. And I haven't quite figured out the original like root of that, right? And it could be something that I also learned from a mom who was a worrier, who also had a mom potentially who was a worrier. And I don't know how far back it goes. And I haven't like really asked or inquired much um, of my family on that. But the reason I'm learning about my anxiety, for those of you guys that have been tracking with us, I had shared like once in therapy, I learned that like my control issues are coming from a place of being anxious because I'm fearful about different outcomes. So it's my anxiety that makes me kind of control certain environments. And so I found myself like every day before, you know, we go to school, 
Anytime I step out of the car or step out of the house when I'm in the car, I will always like cover the car in prayer, cover my drive in in prayer, cover it by the blood of Jesus, you know, and it it makes me feel better. That's why I pray is that I feel like I'm relinquishing that control back to the Lord. And I don't Mm -hmm. think anything of that, you know, keep us safe. Sailor's clearly in the car hearing me and, you know, processing and observing. So I think one time she was talking to her aunt and she was like, oh, I hope you have a good day. Um, Yeah, don't get in an accident. And then I, you know, when I heard her say that to her, I was like, bro, what? Where did that come from? <clears throat> Where did it come from? Like, why is she like worried about her aunt getting in an accident? And what I didn't realize is she's subconsciously receiving and absorbing my anxiety. And I'm not saying like I shouldn't be praying about it, but it made me have to question for myself. Are there other yeah. areas in my life where my anxiety is seeping yeah. into the way that I'm moving and operating? And why am I not... And, addressing that and i think it it's kind of led me into the space of wanting to be a healthier version of myself because i'm reproducing yeah. someone that's mimicking and copying and navigating this world as a me <laughs> you know uh, I, I will with say, their own with their own like i will say lessons. i will say having kids just makes me that much more conscious about how i carry myself and bring myself to the world because mm-hmm. even though they're still so young i can already see how the decisions that we're making and the and the things that we choose to not deal with now is going to bear fruit in one way shape or form yeah, in the future so whether we whether we believe it see it or not mm-hmm. so i think it's that much more um pressing for us to look in the mirror mm-hmm. and to say what are the things that we can you know continue to work on so that we can be better for ourselves, but also for our children. Do you feel like people have to be in a particular like mind state or say, oh, I'm healthy, now I can have kids? Or do you think that like, in that conversation about preparing for children, you know, do you have to be in your like Man. healthiest place to do that? Or, I mean, that's a, that's a really good question. I think for the person who's self-aware to say, hey, there are these things that I have going on and I want to work through them, I I don't really feel like there's a problem with that. Mm-hmm. But I think on the flip side, the reality is we're all works in progress. Mm-hmm. And what I would say is if you are connected to the source and you're saying, hey, I'm I don't have it all figured out, but I'm, you know, I'm willing to, you know, submit my life to God's word and I'm gonna constantly work towards, you know, reflecting the image that he set for me, then I think that's that's the best example because mm-hmm. we don't have to be perfect people in order to, you know, have have children and to live a meaningful life. I think if anything, the most uh, impactful example is to recognize that we're all people who are still works in progress, mm-hmm. and to show our kids how, despite our own shortcomings, we're still all working towards being the best versions of ourselves because we are we are aligned to a savior who's uh, here to to help all of us, yeah. you know, to save yeah. all of us. Yeah. yeah. Um, because we're never going to find, we're never going to come to a place where we're perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's a lie in and of itself, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, to your, to your question, I think, no, I think the answer is, yeah, you, you don't have to, you don't have to be perfect, but maybe, maybe some people are, you know, just serious about the work they have to do in order to bring mm-hmm. children to the world. And I think that's a good thing too. Yeah. I think it's okay. Yeah. I, I agree. I totally agree with that in that, we aren't perfect. Therefore, you know, at any point in time, I think, you know, if God blesses you with the opportunity to be a parent, it's, it's a high calling. It's a special gift that God has given you. And, you know, the work 
it, it puts a, a greater like onus on you to also do and bring your best to the table and that you're willing to look within yourself, right? Right. And you're willing to say, okay, God, search me and created me a clean heart. If there's anything that's not right within me, you know, bring it yeah. to the surface. And I think it's okay for kids to see that process. I think that's, I think that's essential because <laughs> yeah. what are we telling our kids if we're not saying that? We're saying that you have to be, be perfect. Yeah. yeah exactly. Which doesn't exist because that I, actually sets them up for failure later. And I actually older, think yeah. speaking to what we were saying earlier, I, I actually think what you're describing aligns right alongside with what we were saying about teaching our kids how to process and think critically, because mm -hmm. I think in the same way, when they experience any different iteration of whatever problem, we want to give them the tools to deal with it and to work through it. And I think what you're alluding to even here is kind of exactly like that. Mm -hmm. It's like whatever problem they're going to endure or, or experience later on in their life, we want them to have the scaffolding to say, this is something that I can work towards in a meaningful way because I know I have a God who has forgiven me, mm -hmm. who loves me, mm -hmm. and the, the word gives me a template for how to, you know, look back at myself mm -hmm. in, and, and work towards it in the right way. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think if we were ever to say that we're looking for perfect kids or perfect people, then I think that's just, it's that's just not even not something right. that's even, you know, realistic. Yeah. I think traditionally parents would have done that though, is like not show like their weaker side or not yeah. show that because you think you're protecting your kid, right? I mean, kid, think, right? About, think about how we grew that's up. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, but even in that, like the reality is- That's really interesting. In showing actually. them the brokenness, which that's something I think, I feel like that's God's really, really challenged and like convicted me of too, is like you- it's important for her to see humanity lived out through the lens of faith in her mother. What does a woman who knows how to apologize to her daughter if I yeah. raise my voice or if, you know, within appropriate context, right? It's like, I'm not always right. I do mess up. I yeah. don't always get it, you know, spot on. But what you will find in me is a woman who acknowledges that she doesn't always get it right. right. You'll find a woman that seeks the Lord in all things, a woman that struggles, a woman that strives, a woman that's willing to to work. And that is the model that I want right. to give to her. And I think trying to protect our kids from experiencing reality will really set them up and cripple them from being yeah. able to navigate reality once they get older, yeah. you know? But it's teaching them, one, their humanity, but also the power of their faith, and then all the resources next to them that they can use, like therapy, you know, good community, love, to become the best version of themselves, you know? That's yeah. what I feel like it means to, like, give them the best of you and to work away from traumas that you know are affecting you but have never addressed because you owe it to them and their generation because God has called them for such a time as this, you know? That's really interesting. I think in hearing you say that, like I just started thinking about people who we've known and like, you know, just stories you hear about people who, because I feel like, I feel like low key, everyone grew up with some kind of religious experience, like a lot of people. Like a lot mm -hmm. of people were exposed to it in one shape, way, shape or form, but like they had enough exposure to, to determine for themselves that it wasn't for them. And I think a large reason for that is because they realized that there was just so much inauthenticity or like hypocrisy or things that did not like ring true to oh, them. Uh -huh. And I think part of the reason why it didn't ring true or hasn't rung true is because they never really saw 
authentic example is kind of like what you're describing. Mm-hmm. So if you're a parent who's saying, oh, we are people who believe in God and this is what we stand for, but then you can't even like apologize and acknowledge with a certain degree of humility that you were wrong, how does that like reconcile to the thing that we say we mm-hmm. believe? So I mm-hmm. think it's not even that always that deep. Sometimes it's just as simple as doing the simple things right mm-hmm. and, and and being like honest and sincere and genuine mm-hmm. about them because I think a lot of times maybe that's where you find God, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that's that's in, in and of itself something simple and easy enough for kids to see, well, that is hard, that is difficult, but I saw an example of that modeled for me, which, you know, resonates as true. Mm-hmm. So um, I think there's something to that. I think there's something to that, yeah. to like humble yourself enough, even with your kids, you know? Mm-hmm. I think I think especially coming from like, a immigrant background, like the hierarchy structure mm-hmm. is to put kids at such a, they're like at the, the bottom of the totem pole doesn't even describe it. I think if there's some, if there's a level like, below, hey, that, it's, just, it's just like, not these right. Yeah, man. It's just like, if they were lucky to make it to the function, man, we are, <laughs> are they even here? I don't even know. Yeah. Um, you know, so like to kind of reframe that and to like really give dignity and honor to the kids by like acknowledging them and recognizing that, the best way to empower you is to, you know, to, to communicate and even think, think, think about you, get out of here, <laughs> is to communicate or think through what we're saying in a way where we want to um, just speak it through to you in a, like honestly and sincerely because we, val- we value our kids, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and this kind of goes back to what we were saying about modeling too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, what is that statement that says like... Um, this is how you share the gospel. Uh, you share the gospel with, what is it? How does it go? Oh, not with your, you, you uh, the share. The best way to share the gospel is through your, your action, but without words. We're totally yeah. betraying that. It's something about Bing share bong. the gospel. Bing bong. Yeah. <laughs> no, here it is. Share the gospel. And if you must use words. Yes. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, thank you, Lord. Um, Got him. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think, yeah, with, with children, I think, that that bit, I think if you can view them as not just kids and as adults, I think that was a game changer for me too growing uh, when my sisters would visit. They're like, you talk so much to Sailor. She's like, literally doesn't even say words and you're just changing her diaper. But the idea of like having these conversations and giving these kids dignity and talking to them and like serving them and like pouring into them, it's like you're discipling this person. Yeah. And before you know it, everything is being absorbed. Yeah. Everything is in... Um, yeah, I think it's, it's as you do that, you'll see that they become a person with thoughts and opinions. And I, like, I, I, I want to give credit to like our generation. I, 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 my sense is that people from our generation, millennials, etc., they kind of understand that a little more than the previous generation mm-hmm. because maybe from you know trying the, to also a luxury. Yeah, yeah well, maybe have, yeah. either either because there's just more information out here, or maybe you are trying to give to your kids what you didn't have in a sense, but I think the next generation of kids are going to be better off for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it really does feed what we were talking about earlier in terms of them being able to think and process because they're experiencing it and we're giving them enough dignity to like, you know, communicate with them in a way where, you know, we put the tools in their hands. Exactly. You know? As opposed to saying, this is what we do, take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I, I can understand the allure of that because like, especially in some cultures, you're like, okay, well, this is what we stand for and you just got to hold on to this and that's what it is. And there's, mm-hmm. there is, there is something powerful about that. But, 
if we want to empower these kids to thrive in different environments, I think mm-hmm. we have to teach them how to think through and why, yeah. what, what and why. Yeah, I will add on to that though. I do think that it is a luxury that we get because we have the luxury of a, a warm home, functioning water. We're not just worried sure. about the needs of our children, the way right. that our parents were, right? Coming to a new country, navigating yeah. and doing a lot of these things. So like, praise God for their shoulders because we're now able to to serve and like function from yeah, this place. Let me place. not sound too out of touch right now. <laughs> okay. I, shout out to all the immigrant parents that yeah, brought us through, through for, all the adversity. And even for parents that were here, parents that had gone through like the Great Depression. So their biggest concern is like worrying about like making sure that their kids' needs are met and getting stability. And so- I just think that, you know, every need is going to look different. But as for us in this time and in this period and with the resources, yeah, and with these resources that God has given us, I, I do think that there is a call to instill in our children creativity and the ability to think in a day and age where there's so much information and teaching them to like filter and process and learn also through our example and through through, through the skill of being able to navigate for themselves using critical thinking yeah. is the best thing that we can do for them. So as I said, everything is age appropriate. And like circling back to this conversation of witches that we started <laughs> off with. We need to tell you how that ended. <laughs> so first thing I did was, so we, first thing we did was we just kind of like teased out the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, she just kind of shared little bits and pieces because for her, it was just like kind of light, but we were really just trying to figure out what was going on. Did she understand good and evil? Do I? There were just so many questions. Jesus I mean, obviously it, was, obviously it was very innocent, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you can understand like for us it was like okay well look which is we're not gonna we don't have to get into to, into depth with like mm-hmm. what this is all about but like i i frankly just i don't care if it's light or not i don't really like the idea of my child going on about witches because it's like even though there's like a version of it where it seems harmless i'm like you know, we also kind of know what that stuff's really about, you know? Um, And that's got kind of part of the challenge with all this because, like, I know, like, whatever context that she experienced, it was very... She's like, she's just on a broom. (laughs) She's just on a broom. It's not that deep. (laughs) But at the same time, I'm like, you know, in wanting to have, like, sincere, thorough conversations, we know that it's like, like, it is deeper than that, Mm -hmm. you know? So um, the next day I talked to... I I just kind of... But I... Just to piggyback... So that night we we talked about, you know, we we like to focus on things that are like yes. light filled and lovely and things that make yes. us happy and smiling and things that aren't scary. And sometimes witches have the capacity to be scary. And, and she's so like, oh, we, I don't like things that are scary. Yeah. And then that's kind of where we left the then, conversation, yeah. you know, because obviously, you know, you can And can't. then when we were talking about the things that we do like that are happy and good, she's like, like my stickers. <laughs> I was like, yes, exactly. Like your stickers. <laughs> Um, but the next day, just to like get more context, mm-hmm. I, I, I talked to her teacher and I was like, Hey, she mentioned this. I know it's like October and like, do we like, is there like a curriculum with Halloween? And she's like, no. Um, but like in their little library, they do have different books. And one of the books was apparently a well-known book, um, which talks about a witch on a broom. And it was just as simple as that. So, um, but it's really interesting to think about the things that kids like latch onto maybe cause she's never really heard that word here. Yeah, <laughs> just kind of one time like, we oh, I heard a new word. She saw our neighbor's <laughs> decor and it was a it was a ghost. And she's like, Mom, what is that? A marshmallow? <laughs> Try to <laughs> like, describe it. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we're not talking about I knew exactly yet. what she was trying the to describe. And I was like, Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but again, like, you know, just 
thinking about, you know, not because the, the point of this is not to say, oh, no, we don't do this. Don't talk about this, because the reality is this is like and it's, it, this is like far exceeds Halloween. Mm-hmm. This is just about like the world that she's going to continue to experience, even things that we're not going to know about, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I um, mean, we'll have better expert, not expertise, but thankfully we're learning through Santa. So we'll be prepared also for Christian, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. so um, but yeah, that was, that was interesting. So my question to you, Loza, mm-hmm. is now that we've kind of unpacked some of this, mm-hmm. and I know you've had some different feelings about this. <laughs> <laughs> Lozo, what is your feeling about Selah dressing up for Halloween at school? (laughs) Asking me this in public because he knows that I think Halloween is a devil. Um... Yeah, so I mean, it's a nuanced conversation. I definitely uh, wasn't. You guys feel Loza just burn me with her eyes right now? (laughs) I told you I was going left tonight. (laughs) Well. um... Okay, let me give you my thought first, and then you can tack on. How about that? Sure, it doesn't matter. I'm willing to answer either way. Okay. Um, Well, well, okay. So, do you. (laughs) Do I go? I was trying to throw you a life raft. Go ahead. Um, I think, uh, so like the initial conversation that we were having, because we were supposed to have like an episode about um, like what our stance on Halloween was, because initially Loza was very like not even willing to entertain anything associated with it. Get it out of my house. And my point was, I think it's clear between the two of us, we don't celebrate Halloween. Like that's not, I don't think it was even like a thing that was even on the radar yeah, that was never a thing for you guys, right? Growing up, no, but more from a strict parent, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like okay, okay, household. And for for us, like we grew up, I grew up in a religious home, so like it was never something that we did either. Um, but even as I've like come to grow on my own, it's very like evident that while you know we look at it by and large as like a very harmless, you know, meaningless cultural phenomenon, I think at the core of it the tenets of Halloween itself are not things that align with our values and that's fine. But I think there's room for nuance in this conversation, which is kind of the the point that we were having conversation that we were having, which was, I didn't see any issue with Selah or our kids potentially dressing up as positive, light, happy things for the purpose of not making them feel excluded, not, but like not being in direct support of celebrating Halloween but just to say, I think there's a way in which kids could dress up, but then not, you know, celebrate in all the darkness of everything related to the season. So all that being said, I think kind of we've arrived at a place where I think you seem to agree with that to some extent. Or what's your, what's your take? Say. You tell me. Um, yeah, I definitely was having a hard time with the entire holiday. I'm like. You know, I think some we have to be we have to be very careful as like Christians living in the modern day. Just because something is like culturally or socially acceptable doesn't mean we have to participate or we have to do it. My stance was like clearly the history of this thing is like rooted in things that are demonic. You're dealing with the afterlife. You're dealing with things of death. You're like for what? Like why would we even touch that? We talk about things that are honorable, noble, lovely, pure, true. You know, um, praiseworthy things, and we're talking about death and like 
the the idea that still to this day there's an air of spooky and supernatural and dark to me is and then that it's masked and making it quote unquote kind friendly and like these costumes are done and um jack-o'-lanterns and candy like all these things that are appealing i'm like it's so woven into the fabric of our culture that we can't even sift through what is something that has something that has the capacity to be very spiritually dark because we're busy playing playing for fun kicks and giggles up top and i think that that was a deep conviction of mine and i think you know everybody's conviction is going to be different the challenge for us was that the convictions were different in one household yeah and then we we're like well what do we do but not conviction wasn't different in terms of how we felt about halloween i it was about I think we're the, in agreement it was about, about the dressing up the dressing up just because my point was i don't feel like there's anything inherently wrong or evil about dressing up especially if what the kids are dressing up as is is not positive or like yeah it's not so his and, and mm-hmm. especially if like for example at her school the reason why she would even be in a position where she would dress up is because they have something called trunk or treat where parents bring candy and they put them in their trunks all the kids are dressed up and that's that it's not an explicit celebration of halloween it's nothing spooky it's nothing dark and and that's that and i think there's a way in which kids can meaningfully participate because the devil don't have uh, a lock on dressing up as positive things or light things. And I think it was more meaningful for me to say she can exist in that space. We can continue to speak on what our beliefs are, what we stand for. And as she continues to grow older, we can communicate what we believe is not aligned with our values. And then she can make those decisions for herself as she becomes more mature, as long as she knows this is something that is not aligned with necessarily what we believe. Yeah. And the only, and I'll get to what you were saying, but I think that the reason I had originally disagreed was, you know, obviously the history behind why people dress up was to, to ward off spirit. So you would dress in an attire that was scarier than these spirits to scare the spirits away. So the messaging behind dressing up has always kind of seemed dark. And so Again, to make it palatable to us, you know, and and I believe in the U.S., we're just obsessed with the notion of like death, violence, like dark things. Um, People get just everybody loves Halloween, but it's just like so crazy to me. Again, this is not even talking about Halloween. I know. So going back to the dressing up, that's an integral part of this holiday. So I'm like, well, why are we even participating just because we want to be included with society? Not in Halloween itself. This is a trunk dr- I'm talking. I'm talking about the dressing up part. And I had a hard time so with that. There's nothing, but what's wrong with that inherently? And you're right. I think when it comes to like dressing up for holidays at large, like or dressing up for the holiday and dressing up as something like light and fun, that's that's a great idea. But does it have to fall on Halloween? Like, yeah, of course, the devil doesn't have a lock on costumes. Let's have costume party November 1st. But I mean, we're doing it again. We're... It's, this is like a long yeah, we, ongoing we, debate, is, but what we came to agree on, especially because Sayla brought it up before I was ready, I was like, I haven't finalized she, my debate. She, she, I'm not like, ready. I wasn't ready for this conversation either. She, yeah. I, I think I overheard you guys talking about it in the kitchen, and, I then, said, Isaiah, and then she sent her over to me. She's like, "Go talk to your dad." <laughs> I'm like, "What's going on right now?" Yeah. So I think what we, you know, what we came to understand, and what I decided was, you know, I do agree that maybe the the feeling of isolation has the capacity to overshadow her ability to cognitively reason mm-hmm. for herself and for that sheer fact alone. Again, reemphasizing, we 
care about things that are honorable, noble, lovely, yeah. pure, and true. So as long as we're able to exude those things, whether you attend this event to like collect candy or not, that's fine. As she gets older, obviously the conversation will grow yeah. to more levels of depth where we talk about the history behind it, the culture behind the it. Implications are, the implications will be different then because then when she's older, this these will the opportunity she'll have will be for more explicitly Halloween-related events. And not only that, but I'm just saying as she gets older, and you're explaining know- the history behind it, but beyond the history, also in corroboration with hopefully a growing understanding of the gospel and faith, she can mesh the two of those and make a decision for herself how she wants and that, to move and that's forward. Kind of what and that's we were, my goal. Is and that's kind like of what we were... Raise up a little bird. Yes. And that's kind of like the point that we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. is like giving her the tools to like process through and understand the entirety of what we're working with, mm-hmm. chewing it up, taking in the things that you know she can hold on to for herself Correct. and then spitting out the rest of it right exactly not just because we said so exactly exactly right. so that's the full circle moment guys yeah <laughs> um so yeah still processing and experiencing that in real time mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> as you guys can see we'll, yeah we'll, we'll keep you we'll keep you posted we'll, we'll, this is like uh, everything that we've been doing i feel like is just kind of giving you a glimpse of things that are happening in real time. So if our opinions change, happening. if our realizations uh, evolve along the way, we'll make sure to let you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that's that's our story. That part. So thank you guys for tuning in. Yes. Um, and as you guys know, our sponsor for the week Ooh. is Ted Durst Hey. So we're a real estate company in L.A., helping you buy, sell if you want to invest or for anybody looking to relocate, come see us. But what we did want to share was we have a newsletter actually that I feel Uh like has been offering a lot of like valuable insight into like the trends, neighborhoods to look out for and areas to, you know, keep an eye on. And then real estate related news, market analytics, things that you should just be aware of if you're looking to buy, sell or invest you know, or, grow, or just, grow in wealth over the next couple of years, next five to 10 years, even um, shoot us your email and we can yes. get you signed up for that. What's the email. best way for them to shoot you the email? Um, you can actually go on to um, any of our Instagram handles okay. um, at Tedris teams, probably the best place. And then you can just click on the bio and you can subscribe there. That'll be T H E O D R O S team. Um, and so go there. And if not, I'll also include the link at the bottom of this video on YouTube and on the show notes. So, um yeah go ahead and follow along with us also on our individual also shout out to uh some more folks who contributed to our donor box we're almost there there are people who believe and we're getting there slowly but surely so thank you to all of you who believe in the vision who believe in what we're doing and who want to see us continue to grow um yeah, we're we're in this. Uh, we're we're just kind of you know going on for the ride. So thank you guys for believing. Yeah, love you guys, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Peace. See ya.